Hola, bienvenidos. You are listening to Developing. My name is Chanel and I am on a mission to make those bland and boring textbook topics into something more exciting and interesting. Hola, hola a todos. This is Carol. I'm embarking on a mission to empower young girls to have a dignified menstrual cycle and realize their full potential. Yes, and I would just like to highlight um, we're not experts. I think we're a little bit of experts, but we're also not perfect. We're not going to maybe make sense all the time and we're not going to um, um, say maybe the right things or the wrong things. We're all just learning along and um, trying to capture all these ideas and share them with the world. So I just like to give that little disclaimer, but I hope you all enjoy. Um, remember, this is an evolving podcast about an evolving project. And we're so happy that you're here for the ride. Thank you for tuning in. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm preparing for my next trip to the island. So in a week from today, yes. um, I should be back with my girls and like creating more content for them. And hopefully there is an idea to, because uh, I'll be in the island for March the 8th, uh, Women's mm. Day. So we're yes, hoping to create an event uh, because I don't think these days commemorated in the island. They don't, I mean, they know it yeah. exists, but it's not important to them. And we want to start changing that, right? We want women and young girls and everybody in the island to realize that the presence of women is extremely important because I don't think they are given the value that they are themselves. Mm. So yeah. we are, we're going to start working on that. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, they don't. I don't think we celebrate that um, event. It's an International Women's Day, and I don't think we commemorate and celebrate that day enough anywhere. Anywhere, in the world, yeah. You know, um, and I think another exciting thing for you and for us, you know, is that it will be a year. Las Fuertes will be one year old. One year, yeah. One year. Yes. And yeah, so we're recording this a, a little bit before that date, but um, yeah, just a year. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> it does feel like yesterday. It's really hard to like wrap around my mind around that it's been a year. Uh, even though, like, maybe to clarify, I haven't lived in the island for a full year. I have to go yeah. back and forth because of funding and other reasons. But a year ago, I, I have to check my calendar to see exact the exact date. Um, but February 2021 was the first month that I was fully immersed in the island, uh, getting to know the girls I wanted to be part of this project. Um, it's not easy. It hasn't been easy at all, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate the process. And mm-hmm. this project, the first year marked not only the fact that it was the first time I was there fully and fully committed 
to work with the girls that want to participate because I cannot force anybody to be part of this, yeah. right? So, And that's one of the toughest lessons I've learned through this journey is that whoever wants to be part of it is because they really want to and not because Senor Carol forces them to do so. Yeah. Um, but beyond mm-hmm. that, I think this first year anniversary marks the fact that this project uh, has the potential to do a lot of things and that yeah. I, I have come to realize that this is what I want to do. Like, I've always known that this is what I wanted to do, but, you know, you always have your doubts and your questionings yeah. and your, like, self-sabotage being like, are you really <laughs> going to do this, right? But going back the to... saboteur. Yeah. Uh, but going back to what has happened throughout these last 12 months where I'm in the island or here in Bogota, um, I do realize that this is what I want to do and that I will mm-hmm. dedicate the remaining of my life <laughs> to make this a very powerful project. Um, yeah. Not only for the girls that go straight into our program, but also the ripple effect that they can potentially have within their households and the community itself. Yeah. Um, because I, I cannot really see some of that, you know, I cannot really see how giving them the power of knowledge is not only changing them, but it's also transferring a little bit, especially to their moms. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, so much, so many studies and so much information about, um, when you empower women, you empower the home community. As soon as you give women power and resources the entire community benefits and that's not me or you just saying that willy-nilly google it look it up (laughs) you know anywhere and it's it's there's statistics there's information about that um and i think it goes back to um and that's why we say that women's day is not celebrated enough Mm -hmm. i mean women create the world (laughs) we have children (laughs) or i guess um people with uterus uterus yeah yeah um yeah it's been a it's been a year and so listeners can listen to all the other episodes we touch on a lot of things but this one specifically i want to touch on why you know the the main reason that this project started was for menstrual health and it's funny because i feel like we've touched on menstrual health a little bit here and there but not like fully and not immersed in it so that's what we're gonna do today i want to read um some stuff and i know that you have some comments mm-hmm. as the expert, not expert. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's something called period poverty. Um, and right off the bat, um, we can even just talk about that word pe- period poverty. You can talk about that because I think that's good to to mention before we even start. Um, so basically pe- period poverty uh, just talks about like the lack of, right? Mm-hmm. To have a dignified menstruation so we talk about like lack of information you know yeah what's menstruation why do we get it what does it come from right because there is so many taboos around menstruation mainly yeah. because of lack of information so that the thought that the menstrual uh, blood is dirty and it's unpure mm. and you shouldn't touch it and oh my god that's so disgusting right and all that happens because simply lack of education so then um uh, access to either water, soap, a bathroom where you can change, right? Yeah. Um, period poverty also talks about like the lack of, like the difficulty to access to products where you can yeah. um, manage your menstruation with 
dignity. So in mm -hmm. many, many places around the world, even in the States, I will assume, today there is women, young girls and adolescents and people with uterus that don't have access to buy pads or tampons, right? Mm -hmm. They have to use toilet paper, all yeah. clothing, uh, even newspaper, even leaves to kind of yeah. uh, manage their menstruation. So, and I cannot remember if there is something else touching about yeah. menstrual um, pover period poverty. Yeah, so it's, um, it notes, so let me see. The Global Menstru Menstrual Collective defines menstrual health as a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity in relation to menstrual cycle. It notes that people should have access to information about menstruation, um, life's changes and hygiene practices, which Las Fuertes touches on. Um, people should have the ability to care for themselves during menstruation, which we'll talk about. Um, you know, that goes back to like women being able to do activities and menstruate at the same time. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't feel like they can't, they have to choose. So people should have access to water, sanitation, hygiene services, which is what you mentioned. And I, actually, I was reading something about um girls where there's no bathrooms like the uh, the lack that and i actually wrote it um toilets the, the lack of access of toilets of private toilets is then a way to have girls who are menstruating not able to deal with it and then um have to stay home mm -hmm. if there's no if, there, if the schools don't have like a private restroom things like that so then um, people should have the ability to receive a diagnosis of menstrual cycle disorders and access to healthcare. Um, they should have um, a positive and supportive environment which um, to make informed decisions, which again, Las Fuertes is trying to provide. Mm -hmm. um, and they should have the ability to participate in all aspects of life, such as going to work and school. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier about girls in school and, and no lack of... Um, restrooms or sanitation or hygiene services and actually to touch on even more there's a um, article by the united nations population fund um and it touch about and touches about covid 19 heightened menstruation challenges in latin america and the caribbean and then it goes on to say like there's people that have to choose between buying pads um and menstrual products, um, products and they have to buy a bag of rice. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's it's all kinds of things. So it's it's all related. Yeah. Um, yeah. So peer poverty, obviously, you know, like umbrellas a lot of things, a lot of concepts, yeah. right? However, or at least here in Latin America, a lot of like whether we call it colectivos, where it's like a group mm. of women trying to do projects or why not. So a lot of collectivos and um, a lot of organizations that do focus on like, talking about menstrual health and menstrual education, we avoid using the term period of poverty. Um, and, and I say this because I learned it. I learned it through a class that I took before I started this idea. Um, because like it sounds, it obviously it's not romantic, you know, it's not like we're talking about some other kind of poverty besides like, no access to education in general, no access to health in general, uh, lack of like good nutrition in general, right? Mm -hmm. But when we add the term period poverty, 
to communities that already know are living in poverty or are lacking access to basic rights, right? We are just like, um, in how we ca how can I say it? We're just adding an extra brick to yeah, like the an difficult extra layer. an extra layer yeah. to the difficulty of their daily lives, right? So, yeah. um, and I also believe a lot of these collectivos avoid using this term because it was mm -hmm. I don't know who created it or who invented it <laughs> in the first place, but we feel that it comes from a very Western. European, U.S. Elitist, maybe? Elitist, aha way of thinking, where mm -hmm. they come to either Asia, Africa, Latin America, developing countries, and they're like, oh my God, you know, all these poor people. And on top of that, they have period poverty. This is not to say that this is not a reality. All that you mentioned, that umbrellas, period poverty is 100% true, but there is a way to say it, right? So after I took this class and they truly explained to us, the students, why they choose not to use period poverty, I also agree with that 100%, because there is always a, a positive way to say things and a negative way to say things, right? So period poverty, I already mentioned it, is adding an extra layer to the poverty. We already know they don't have good housing. We already know they don't have good quality of education. We already know they are lacking a, B through Z, right? So we don't need to add this one. And instead, we use menstruation, a, dig a dignified menstruation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because if we talk, we talk about men dignified menstruation, we're not adding that extra layer, but we're giving them the resources to get to that point, right? So yeah. when we talk yeah. about dign dignified menstruation, what does that mean? Or what does it mean, at least to me, Carol, and to us, Las Fuertes? That means to provide them the education needed, hopefully before even they get their first menstruation, right? So we are starting, when I started this, it was around 10 years old, but now I see that even younger and younger are coming to me. So I need to develop material for like, even when they are five or six, right? Yeah. Because the younger you start, the easier for them is going to be when that moment gets. So first of all, yeah. is giving, providing the information. Second of all, is through information and education, then we are trying to either eliminate or at least reduce the taboos that exist around them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Third, we are trying to, hopefully this year will be the first year where we can do that. We are gonna try to subsidize menstrual products that are more eco-friendly, and at the end of the day, is gonna, they are gonna be saving money. So mm -hmm. during our, our class or our workshops, we talk about, you know, the general, the regular pads. We talk about uh, even the, the daily liners, why they shouldn't use them. Um, we don't really talk about tampons because tampons is not a common thing here in Colombia. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe in big cities, more, women are more willing to use them, but in mm -hmm. rural cities is almost a no-no. And that's connected to virginity and a whole different yeah. discussion that we're going to touch on today. Thank you, <laughs> thank you to the Catholic Church. I mean, I am I am a, I guess you could say, quote unquote, modern woman yeah. in, in the U.S. And I don't use tampons because of that reason. I Or I think I didn't because it was connected, like you're saying, to virginity. It was, mm -hmm. it was a big taboo. Um, we didn't even talk about menstrual. I, we talked about menstrual health a little bit, but in sexual education, other than in school. 
And now as this 27 year old woman, I am still like, I can't, my friends will give me tablets (laughs) and I can't do it. And um, it's, yeah, it's a whole culture. It's also because Annette, like the way they are built is not easy for us to use them. So that's a whole different Uh. discussion. But anyways, so uh, going back to dignified menstruation, right? Or at least what we're trying to do within Las Fuertes is provide education, especially at a young age, uh, deconstructing or like reducing or eliminating taboos that are very detrimental to the lives of yeah. girls, adolescents, and women in general. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, and this is, I'm really hopeful that this is gonna happen, subsidizing these products because at the long run, at the long run, sorry, uh, you're not only creating a lot of contamination on the planet. So it's, yeah. it's, it's calculated that one path takes about 500 years to decompose. Oh my God. So imagine if you start menstruating when you were like, I don't know, 13, 14, and now you are 40. The first path that you use at the very beginning is somewhere out, out there in a landfill is still creating a lot of contamination, right? My grandma's pads are probably on the yeah. field still. <laughs> Even your our, our whoever yeah. created or used the very first pads, yeah, that's still yeah, out the there. The very first pad of the world, yeah, is still out there. We should find. And uh, not only that, they are extremely contaminating. They are also very harmful to our bodies because they are not made of cotton. No, they are mm-hmm. made of like derivatives or petroleum and a lot, a lot of different chemicals that do have a direct impact in our health. And a lot of women don't know that, but they also increase your cramps. If you are if you have uh, cramps during your menstruation, using these pads and tampons increase, could increase that, also increases how much you bleed. And there is a lot of like, you know, yeah, um, a, lot of a lot of layers. And then uh, you can also do your research, but I'm just gonna touch very, on, on the surface because there is a lot to talk about today. Um, yes. So the idea is when we are teaching our girls about menstruation and where it comes from and all that, we also teach them about all the options that are out there because I didn't get that, you know? I was just given a Nosotras, like that's the most famous non-brand here, Nosotras. So they don't even call it pads, it's called Nosotras. Um, well, yeah, kind of like Coke. You're, exactly, you're like, yeah. yeah. And that's all I knew. But to mm-hmm. the girls, we teach them about uh, the reusable pads, right? The ones that are made of clothing, uh, the menstrual panties. Uh, we, mm-hmm. use, we teach them about menstrual cup, and they do get to experience how they work. So we have like a little, you know, little uh, red ink with water, and then they can play mm-hmm. around it, and they know how to care for them, and you know, so. And that's why we use Dignified Menstruation, because we are giving yeah. them all the tools so they can get to that point instead of talking about you don't have any of these and you're suffering. <laughs> so we are trying yeah. to change the narrative. And I know period poverty is, is um, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm mm-hmm. saying that uh, it, it depends who is talking about it, how you're talking about it, and how, who, you, who your audience is, right? Because if you use the term period poverty and you're, I'm just giving an example, you are starting a new project and you want to touch on this, but you don't know how detrimental this terminology can be. You are going to a rural area and you're going to be like, oh, so welcome today, everybody. My name is so-and-so. And today we're going to talk about period poverty. 
in a community that is already living in poverty, I don't yeah. think people are going to be too pleased, right? Yeah, and you kind of are like kicking the horse while it's down, right? Is that the word? I think Maybe so. Maybe that's not <laughs> Kicking the person while it's down. Or something like that. <laughs> we're, we're trilingual here. Excuse us. <laughs> Bueno, Carol, como dijimos, she speaks like four languages. Okay, we can continue. Uh, but instead, if you're if you're socializing the same project, right? And I think that's the word that I want to use. If you are socializing the same project to the same community, but instead of being like, oh, my name is so and so, I'm talking about peer poverty. My name is so and so, and I want to provide a dignified menstruation. I mm -hmm. I think from the get-go, your speech and your whole mission is going to be seen it's different. from two different point of views, right? Yeah. So one sounds kind of like you're, you're saving and the other one's like empowering. Yeah. You know, one is, you're, you're yeah, you're empowering. It's, and that's what we want to do. We're not trying to save anybody. It's not about coming as savior. Yeah, no, not at all. No. Uh, in, in my case, all I want to do is give options, right? Yeah, and that's episode two. Of this <laughs> it's called well if it changes it's called, called all about choices or all about options i think something like that you know? yeah um <laughs> so like in general this is why we want to start to our audience like explaining the peer poverty and how we don't use that concept especially in latin america i don't know if it happens in our in other regions like africa and asia but from yeah. the colectivos that I, I follow here in Latin America, we do prefer to use menstruación con dignidad. Peer, peer poverty, I think it's widely used because the articles that I've been finding and, and the um, information that I've been researching, they, that's the term. That's the, like, I guess the way you would use another term. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But that's like the term. So I, I wonder if anyone has used how you would use it in another language, you know, yeah. no me gusta. So I, and I like that people of that country or, or you know, the people of that community are changing and they're taking, they're changing it um, to be the, the term, to be something else. Yeah. I, I'm thinking a lot about the word Latinx, but that's not this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I ever mentioned this as to why I started this, and maybe it's time to do so. <laughs> um, mm. I don't. Re I, I don't recall. Maybe I think I you did. mentioned it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Your um, experience with Madagascar, and yeah, the, um, and the girls there. But if you want to touch on that, just a little bit um, further, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. think it does relate. After being one year trying to do this, I, I see similarities even more so every day. Or at least when I, I go and work either in Colombia, in, in La Isla, or here now in Bogota, that I do get the chance to start doing that. I'm doing some work here in Bogota. Um, but when you are a woman who live in a bubble, right? Even though I was a Peace Corps volunteer, I was still in a bubble, and the bubble meant that I always had enough money every month to buy my pads, right? I always have enough money to buy soap and toilet paper, and I did have access to a decent latrine. Um, yeah. But when you don't know, you really don't understand how difficult menstruation can become. Like, and I said this from a very personal point of view. I I grew up having a very negative point of view on my menstruation. I hated it, and yeah, I and unfortunately, I think that's the general idea, right? We didn't grow up loving it. And mm -hmm. the other day, I saw this post on Instagram, and it said. 
we are the first generation of women who loves the menstruation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so beautiful and so powerful because even though menstruation is so part of who we are, it's as natural as breathing, right? Yeah. Or eating or sleeping. But then again, we see it in such a negative way. So yeah. negative that at some point in my life, when I was very young, I wish I was a man. I was like, man, you know, like, I wish I wasn't a woman. I wish I didn't have a menstruation. I wish I was just a man that I didn't, doesn't have to deal with this. And the, if you really think about this, it's so negative. Not only because you are denying something that is so natural to your body, but also because you are denying who you are as a person, whether you consider yourself a woman or not. Menstruation is just part of who you are. And at the end of the day, it does have a great impact on your, on your self-esteem. Because if every month, in average three to five days, you're hating yourself, you're hating your body, that just tells a lot, right? Like you are truly hating, or maybe hate is a, a very strong word. Maybe some people just don't mind it, or some people just yeah. don't care. But I but did hate it. during those days, you're just like, ugh. Yeah. You know? Um, And so being able to change that from a very young age, I think sends a strong message because you are not changing just this idea that demonstration is is disgusting and you shouldn't talk about it. And it's like, don't say that. That's too loud, right? But it also like unlocks a a way of knowing yourself because not only Mm -hmm. we were denied this idea that menstruation is so natural to your body, but we also were denied how the menstrual cycle changes you every yeah. single day. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure a lot of women out there that are listening to the podcast have been told, oh, esta loca hoy, what is wrong with you? You are so like bipolar. Obviously, there is bipolar people out there. Yeah. I'm not trying to... Uh, um, minimize that that's a whole different thing but our menstrual cycle doesn't make us crazy and doesn't make us bipolar and doesn't make us all these attributes so negative yeah. that have always been imposed on menstruating people I think that's another word to say menstruating people and it is true that our menstruation changes our mood it is true because it's not easy once you understand the biological process of your menstruation, you understand why you go through so many emotions. Mm. And like getting to know your menstrual cycle, it also means that you are very connected to your emotions, your, to your thoughts, and physically how yeah. you change. But yeah. I never knew any of this. I yeah. never knew that depending on your cycle, you can be happier, you can be madder, you can be yeah. more sensitive. Yeah, because my whole life I've been told I'm a crier, right? Like I cry very easily for a lot of reasons. But now that I'm very connected to my menstrual cycle, I understand why certain days during the month, yeah, I tend to be more like sensitive and cry easier than some more at some more time. Yeah, and there's like your your levels, your estrogen levels fall at some points in the month. So you're more tired, you mm-hmm. are um, maybe you you just feel different and then they go high, they go they go up at another time of the month. So you have more active, maybe more creative, mm-hmm. um, things like that. So it's not like it's, it's not just like it's it, science, it's science. And it's not like we just want to be meaner today and we decided to be happier today. Yeah, I mean, 
to a certain degree, yeah, you can control your emotions, but there is yeah. something inner you that biologically and physically, if I, physiologically changes you, right? Mm -hmm. And you, if you mm -hmm. don't understand that, so anybody can actually come come by and be like, oh, you're just crazy. Why yesterday we were so happy and today you are like a maniac? And you start believing that to yourself. You're like, yeah. oh my God, maybe he's right or so-and-so is right. Why, yeah. why am I so moody? But once you understand that, it's like nobody can come and say those things to me anymore because now I understand the why, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about the power of knowledge. Um, so we have newer generations where they are connected to their cycle, newer generations that they know the menstruation is not like shameful, is not something, it shouldn't be a cause for you not to go to school. You know, mm -hmm. I think that's a way to change uh, or break certain patterns. Yeah, and something that I wanted to mention, um, you were, you, you're talking about teaching girls and, and empowering girls and I think once you teach them about menstruation you can then touch on other things so I wrote here because we were talking before we recorded and I, I wrote something Carol was saying um, you acknowledge the elephant in the room so for half of the population something is happening you're literally bleeding like you are literally bleeding out it's that simple. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, hopefully men are listening to this because women know this, you know, or women, uh, people with um, a uterus know that you're literally bleeding out. Um, and so we have to acknowledge it. And once you and Las Fuertes during these seminars and these workshops are able to acknowledge this elephant in the room with these with the girls, you then can work through it, talk about it and move on and move on and touch on literally the rest of everything else because a lot of the times um periods feel like that's like being a woman and having reproductive systems feels like there's that's all that we are you know that we are just meant to have kids and have family and, and i love that i want to have kids i would like to have a family i would like to have a husband i'm not saying that that traditional thing is not good i'm not you know, don't come for me, conservative mm -hmm. people, because <laughs> I would like that. But there is so much more um, to girls. And so being able to acknowledge this, being able to teach them how to deal with this time of the month so that they can go to swimming class if they would like. Like you were telling me about the girl that likes to swim, wants to compete um, or they can do whatever you know, you can acknowledge this and move on mm -hmm. and, and get over that taboo, get past it and focus on something else. Going, touching really quick uh, mm -hmm. about school, right? Administration. I don't know where I read this and uh, I'm, I'm, I cannot quote the, the website. I, I, I look at this when I was doing my research when I first started this project. Here in Colombia, for example, uh, there is a statistics that show that at least one in five girls don't have access to buy their products. So their family mm -hmm. cannot afford buying their pads every day. Or if they do, they don't have enough money to buy enough to prevent an infection. Uh, you know, you're supposed to change a pad mm -hmm. every, what, four hours maybe? I can't remember because mm -hmm. it's been mm -hmm. ages since I used a pad. Um, mm -hmm. But instead of using it, changing it every four hours, they might have to use it, change it every six or seven hours. So that's creating a whole different problem because that girl, that yeah. 
woman is putting themselves at risk of any kind of infection, right? So that's one thing. Second, about absence, uh, school absenteeism, is that how you say it? Absentismo escolar? Oh, absence? yeah. Absence? Yeah. Uh, wow. Well. Ab- absentism. Um, absentism. In Africa, I think the average, when, we, when girls cannot go to school, they miss uh, uh, roughly 20% of the school year. If you count all the days that they have demonstration and all the days that they cannot go to school because of that, compared to the full calendar school year or school calendar, they miss roughly around 20%. So that's a lot, right? That's a lot of like days that they kind of go and continue their education. And not going to a school that just adds a whole different layer to the poverty thing, right? Yeah, yeah, because school is, the access of school, you know, is should be available right and if you are a woman you are at a disadvantage uh, automatically you're at a disadvantage mm-hmm. and um, that also applies to women because like you were mentioning when we kind of first started this podcast a lot of women have to choose okay today can i go to work or do i have to stay home because i don't have the products to manage my menstruation so i can go to work and I'm talking about work, no, when you go to uh, an office nine to five and you have your, you know, like your, uh, your regular job. Maybe we are talking about maybe women that have to hustle and in the streets, uh, yeah. maybe they are street vendors, um, any kind of job that is not like, you know, they don't have access to like vacation days, medical care mm-hmm. and all that. So women, a lot of times they have to, cho- to choose and be like, okay, can I go out today and make a living for myself or do I have to stay mm-hmm. home because I don't have the products to measure my menstru- menstruation. And that just creates so many gender gaps, right? So many yeah. uh, financial gaps between men and women. Um, mm-hmm. And when I first started this project, uh, one of the questions that I did to the parents was, do you have the enough funds to, to buy the products? To, uh, in the case, when I was doing the interviews or the surveys, uh, mainly were the women who were answering these questions. I only have one dad. Most of them said, yes, they do have enough money to buy the pads for their own and the daughters. But after going to the island for over a year, like maybe on and off six months, and seeing their living situation and living conditions, I know a lot of them were shameful to say no. Because mm. a lot of them, and especially now, because here in Colombia, the inflation is going really bad. Like a lot of people have mm. a lot of issues getting, having like uh, food security. Unfortunately, we, uh-huh. this is a whole different topic, but right now we are in, kind of in a crisis. Uh, I know for a fact that a lot of people have to choose between the bag of rice and the pads. And if they don't have enough money to buy pads, then that means that that girl probably this coming year, school year, is going to be missing a lot of class because they don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, unfortunately, menstruation, instead of being a pleasant, um, what is it? Something that you live with, it, turn, it turns into a huge obstacle, right? It, it yeah. turns into a huge obstacle. And that's what we're trying to, to do. We are trying to provide options where they don't have to miss school, where moms don't, moms don't need to stress over, oh, can I buy the pads for myself and my daughter or daughters, yeah. if that's the case, because I'm talking about big households, uh, you know, three, four, five, six children. Um, and just thinking about like, having, 
imagine you you know you're going through your finance you have you're counting your coins and your bills and you're like okay i have this much to feed my kids today but today i got my period too so now i have to subtract this much to buy my pads can i really afford yeah. that or it, it, that adds a whole stressor to their lives that it shouldn't be it shouldn't be yeah. that way right and in like i think about so I, i'm trying to think through this woman hypothetical imaginary person that does exist in many places um gets her period and she can't go to work maybe possibly um she might not even leave the house because if you don't have pads um like it literally you can't stop it i, I want to just make sure like you can't that people that don't get um their menstrual period their menstrual cycle know that you can't like contain it's not like you're holding pee exactly you can't hold it it just comes out and it's thick and it's penetrating your clothes and it's everywhere and then there's the social stigma people are going to see you so my people might not even leave the house mm -hmm. women might not even leave the house then there's this power dynamic between maybe the men and the women because the men can go and make money there's this financial power dynamic it's yeah it's a whole thing mm -hmm. <laughs> it's um and i i i love i would like to think and i would like to hope and, and have the idea that women are not resilient which they are but creative in the ways that they figure it out you just figure something out to go and do so i'm sure that that happens in many ways but um you know should should it be this difficult should it you do you have to be so mm -hmm. super creative to like you know that's another thing you have to think about and so yeah i don't think that they're helpless like oh i'm gonna just stay home because you know um i don't want to give that image but i also you know it's 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 a lot to think about it's a lot it's to a lot, think about it's a lot of worry yeah, yeah. um two little parentheses so there is some women that have actually been able to learn how to do to experience free flow so free flow mm. is that they they are able to say when the flow is gonna come down your vagina mm. and when they can hold it uh, it's something that you learn with your body just like when you know you have to go pee and you kind of hold it and then um, uh -huh. some women have been able to do that through a lot of consciousness you know a lot of learning to getting to know their bodies that's a whole different technique and like techniques yeah. and i guess um i I don't, I don't know if this is the right thing but maybe privileged women do women privileged women do get to learn this because they probably have you know uh the access to a very uh put together menstruation education seminar whatever so it's not easy it's not something that you just learn in a day so it takes a long time so i just wanted to clarify I try that to hold it sometimes. yeah it, yeah <laughs> you have to be very conscious about it right so i just wanted to point out that point pointed that out that there is a way to kind of kind of sort of control when your flow is coming coming down but it's not the norm right so like you said it comes down and it's coming and it's not like mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, and depending on the amount of flow that you have, it can be very a lot. And then it can, you yeah. know, stain all your clothes. And like you said, like the shame on being on the streets and having like a red dot on your pants or on your skirt is not, mm -hmm. it's not easy to deal with. 
Um, yeah. I mean, you already are supposed to look perfect and put together. Exactly. So let alone not so, being perfect and with a red stain on your back yeah. of your of your garments, whatever it is that you're using. And going back to uh, thinking about, okay, do I have enough money? So I recently met this mom from one of the participants that I, where I'm going to, the, to teach here in Bogota. Um, she recently went through the surgery uh, sterilization where they cut the yeah, uterine the, um, the tubes. The, the tubes. Fallopian tubes. Well, we now use we don't use fallopian tubes. Uh, oh, that's a whole okay. different story. In Spanish, we call it trompas uterinas. Okay. Because Fallopio okay. was the doctor who kind of uh, he was an Italian. I don't. I'm not sure if he was a doctor, but he was kind of a scientist. So he discovered uh, or kind of like uh, was able to identify this part of our, of, of our body. But I also learned that they don't belong to him. So when you say, at least in Spanish, it's trompas de fallopio, right? So that they, uh, it becomes the possessive. So fallopio, uh, it sounds like fallopio owns my trompas. Right, and it's like having something a woman's body's part named after exactly, <laughs> or a, a, a man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now my girls, none of them say trompas de fallopio. They no. all know that it's trompas uterinas, because at right, the end of right, the right. day, it, it, it links your uterus to your ovaries, right? So las trompas uterinas. So anyway, okay. so she went through this surgery because she already has four mm -hmm. kids. She didn't have. She didn't want to have more kids. But once you do that. It, it changes completely your, your cycle, right? Like, mm -hmm. it can be very difficult to manage, manage your menstruation after you have that kind of surgery uh, or procedure because uh, it's not like a really full surgery. It's a, more like a procedure. Anyways, I happened to know her this past Tuesday because uh, her daughter is just starting to come to the center where I'm to this place where I'm doing these, these workshops. Um, and she was telling me or she was talking to the psychologist that I work with that her cycle is so out of whack, that her flow mm. is so extremely heavy, that she, she's using way too many pads. And we're talking about a family of immigrants who can barely make it day to day. Mm. And now she needs to think about how she's gonna buy almost two packets of pads for a week worth of menstruation. And that's a lot of money. Yeah. For these families, that's a lot of money. For here, Colombia, yeah. that's a lot of money. Um, so I'm trying to manage and see if I can give her a menstrual cup because that's just going to make things easier for her. But that's the case of so many people, so many menstruating mm -hmm. people, so many women, girls, adolescents, in so many places that is like, that you say it shouldn't be that hard. It, should, it shouldn't take so many resources to manage something that yeah. is so natural to your body. That is natural. It's not... Yeah, it's, that's the crazy thing. It's natural. It's... Yeah. Um, and also, I want to touch on something that I just remembered. Like, when you were saying about addressing the elephant on the, on the, on the room, right? So we talk about this. They, at least the girls that are working with me, they're already so comfortable about mentioning vagina and vulva and uterus mm -hmm. and they know or they sort of remember some of them are very young sometimes they forget but yeah. at least they have some kind of sense of what their genital is like and why do we have it and how does it work but beyond that is also like i have discovered how having this kind of anti intimate 
conversation with them has opened to address so many other issues. So for example, mm. um, I have discovered like so many of them that are already like 11 or 12 or 10 don't really know how to read and write. And in school, mm. in the school system, they are just falling through the cracks because there is so many students per teacher, they really don't have the time to see who's really learning and who's not. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is going to where we have addressed the elephant in the room and then we can focus on something else. Yeah. So Las Fuertes, when I first started this, it was mainly about menstrual education because I thought that was, that was it. But the more I work in the island with the participants, the more I see that this is more become this is becoming, or I want it to become, an empowerment and leadership project. Where yes, menstrual education is the number one pillar, and I think I mentioned this before. Uh, but at the end of the day, is for them to have options not only about how they can manage the menstruation with dignity, but also how they can discover that they are worth so much more than wanting to be married by the time they are 16. Because of, and not even married like legally, but just because when they find a man, and I'm kind of translating it the way that they say it in the island, when they find a man who can take care of themselves, right? So who can provide uh, a little house, some kind of house, even if it's in their parents' house, um, or when they can find a man who can provide for the groceries so they can feed themselves that day, and because um, the misconception about love and relationship and like the lack of self uh, self esteem and self love of, among women leave them very vulnerable to mm-hmm. start a relationship with whoever. And I think mm-hmm. this is obviously a conversation on its own about like relationship and love and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the program also wants to target like or teach these girls to truly love themselves because they don't understand what that is. And that leads them Mm. to the idea that because they are women, you know, eventually they will become women. Their whole purpose in life is to find a man that can feed them and procreate as many kids as the man wants. Because at the end of the day, he has a lot of power to say, I want these many kids because that makes me a more macho man. Um, and so, I, I would like to just add that we we like men. Yes, you and I, we Carol, are very hetero. <laughs> we love we love men. We think they are great in some ways. <laughs> so we're not bashing men. I mean, yeah, I, we're I not. Mean, because like I said earlier, I would like to be married and have kids, but that's my choice. And I know that that I could not do that if I if I felt like it. Go against my mom's, you know, whole idea and wishes <laughs> for me to one day have kids and then get married. I could. I have enough education and I can. I have a job. And if I decide mm-hmm. to be alone forever with dogs and cats, I could. For other people, the social pressure, the economic pressure is not, it's an, not option. an option. Yeah. And I think that's how I wanted to present it to the girls, right? Mm-hmm. That they have options. At the end of the day, after they learn whatever things they can learn with us in Las Fuertes, and if we, at the end of the day they do realize that they do want to get married at a young age and they do have wanna, they do want to have kids, is because they have chosen that life and they are being educated to be good parents 
and not because that was the thing that I was supposed to do and that's it, right? I think that's the most important thing to me as the founder of this project. And going back to the men, I also, sometimes I wish I was homo or like a lesbian so I didn't have to deal with men, but I do love men. Like, I'm a hetero, like there is no discussion about it. Um, And it's not that we're hating men, that's not the thing. No. They are also yeah. a victim of the system, right? They are also yeah. the victims of like that they are the idea of macho men. They are they are just the, yeah. com, they are kind yeah. of victims. Yes, we are not hating on men in this podcast. It's not about you guys. Like we understand that you also have yeah. are the product of the society that has taught us only about division and like you know you have yeah. this and role the, and you have this role. Yeah, and men have their own issues. You know mm-hmm. their own things that um they they should be supported on but this podcast is not about that (laughs) (laughs) and this organization is not about that but we're acknowledging that and again don't cancel us we we like i said um women empowerment is affects the whole community including men um so like women have boys and by supporting women you're supporting their children that are boys that will become Mm -hmm. men and i worked with boys before um when i was in panama and i remember one time i was giving a having a conversation with a group of it was a group of women and and boys um they were like in high school but we were talking about mental health and me and the boys were saying like we know that the I know that this the system the patriarchal system that you're supposed to be strong is hurting you because you're not able to break down mm-hmm. you're not able to you know have a moment because it's not supposed to and they were like yeah like they I didn't I didn't I was just kind of talking about it and I didn't know if they were going to say anything but they were like kind of like whoa she really just said that and and like yeah like we that's true and they they were like talking about it i can't remember exactly what they said but these boys were like talking and acknowledging that and i was i was like wow like these kids they're more aware than i i suspect and Mm -hmm. i think they are um and in that society sometimes things teenagers are and, and kids are yeah so again don't cancel us we we are not hating on men it's just that you know when and the thing is when oh. we, ta- we when we get into women's issues we get so passionate that sometimes yeah. we do and it's like and this is a whole conversation itself as well about feminism and all that and um obviously we're not going to talk talk about it today but um you know when you talk when you start getting into this movement of like really supporting women and like being a feminist and like understanding what your menstrual cycle is you start seeing the world in such a different way that is really hard not to uh, acknowledge certain things about certain behaviors or certain comments and mm-hmm. and so yeah like it's not we hate men it's just sometimes it's really hard not to address those issues because they are so blindly in front of our eyes every single day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Something I was going to mention too, the reason that you're in Las Fuertes is because of a man. The reason that... Um, That's right. Not not the reason, but he supported you. He opened some door, I guess, imaginary door. So men are also... Um, they need to be and they are, you know, supporting and working with groups that are helping women because mm-hmm. they know they they know that it helps everyone um so yeah i think that's important to note um 
I want to get so we we're at 52 minutes. Mm -hmm. I want to get into something before we we close and this is something that I found and I wrote um and this is because throughout the whole season we've we've had a lot of conversations about that inner saboteur, that self sabotage or saboteur. Um and that imposter syndrome kind of thing, but um I don't know how. I think, oh, through our book. Hello, Miss Joni Seeger. We're back <laughs> <laughs> with our book, Women's Atlas. There was a part where it talked about um, Malala. You saw, mm -hmm. you, you saw Sai, I think is how you say her last name. Um, and I read, there's this other book called Half the Sky, and it talks about women who um, go through things. But then in that same book, it talks about issues, but it talks about women empowering themselves and, and others to and to fight something and so this is um sh malala if you're not um familiar you probably are she was shot in the face <laughs> she was um dem sh so um i want to say the taliban mm -hmm. i might be wrong yeah it was the um, taliban. took over took over yeah their village her village in pakistan and um women girls were not allowed to go to school anymore that was part of the regime and malala who's her dad is a um a professor i think uh, teaches at a girl's school or, or taught um, malala was like was speaking out about it speaking out on the topic and she was shot in the face be to be silenced to and and that's something that i read in the book half the sky um, these groups, these extremist groups, they will go and attack someone to make a statement in the whole village. So they they shot her in the face. She woke up, I think, like 10, 15 days later. And now she is, you know, world famous. She won um, a Pulitzer, I think. Uh, no, Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. um, and I just want to say that you are the Malala of your... Oh, my God. <laughs> You are yeah, that's the a big thing to call to say. That's that a is huge thing to say. Well, I I say that because she um, she just spoke up. I think part of the reason she was famous was because of she survived this act of that many women don't survive. Mm -hmm. Many women they get acid thrown in their face, um, things like. And there's many women like Malala that don't have the um, uh, what's the word. Um, recognition and, and famous what's that word um platform okay that she has but there are many many women doing the same thing of trying to avoid getting shot in the face and it's not at the level where you would get you know attacked like that in colombia um i don't think so at least no, I don't think so. but you you are like that you are doing something um and you're taking a step and so i say that to say you know, you have the, we all do, we have the, the inner saboteurs and the, um, yeah, the, the, uh, imposter syndrome, but you, you, you go through that. And I wonder too, I'm sure she also had that feeling. Should, should I be here? I'm just, you know, I think she was 11 when she was speaking out. Um, but she was so, she, you, you and her both are so like, convinced that the conviction is so strong about what you're doing that nothing else really matters so i just wanted to give you that to to finish the year on that <laughs> note <laughs> and to like oh my you god know, you yeah. almost made me cry i'm a crier um thank you <laughs> yes yeah uh, yeah and so yeah and just 
a, a thought that um, you don't need to, you know, go through what Malala went to, through. Um, but it's the same thing. You're advocating mm-hmm. in a way. And we are, we are both advocating, you know, by creating this podcast. We are both trying to do this um, to bring awareness about this issue that is very complex and it's very common. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. This is not just in the Isla Fuerte in Colombia. This is everywhere. This is everywhere. Um, around the world. Yeah. Yeah. Even so. when you think you're in a place that it does, it's not an, an issue, it is an issue. So I live in a city of like 9 million people, Bogota, and I'm mm-hmm. sure this affects so many yeah. thousands, even millions of women every day. And yeah. Even though I'm just reaching like 20 girls at a time, um, I, I hope that the ripple effect is gonna start showing sooner rather than later and we'll be able to impact yeah. a lot of lives. Um, I'm just grateful that I do, ha- like we were talking about privileges before we started this podcast. And all I can say that is that I'm very aware and very thankful of the privilege that I do have here in Colombia because if it wasn't for the privilege, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to not have a nine to five job. I wouldn't have the ability of not to have an steady income, right? To take care of my bills and my rent and all that. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to focus on this because I know yeah. people have their own jobs and they probably have their side uh, NGO, little project, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to um, invest all your energy when you are working a full-time job and trying to make mm-hmm. this happen. Uh, I know I don't have, I don't think I have the strength to have a full-time job because I thought about it and I'm like, I don't think I can. I just don't. And I don't see myself being an employee anymore. You know, like I've tasted yeah. the savor of freedom, uh, quote unquote yeah. freedom. Cause I don't have financial freedom, but I do have freedom of yeah. my time <laughs> and yeah. my, and my ideas and my thoughts. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think, financial freedom we come at the time when the time comes but i just want to acknowledge that uh i'm not a malala i am carol right. <laughs> trying to do my thing right i don't want to put that pressure on yeah. you that's not what i'm trying to do but um yeah i just feel like you don't give yourself enough credit yeah i think and i think malala was privileged too her dad was a teacher so that's some privilege and i guess she has some privilege somehow to be flown out because she was she was sent to england England. i think when she was shot yeah she was sent there so it's fine to have privilege i think it's how what you do with it maybe how you use it yeah um i don't think it's dirty or bad to have privilege because we all do in some way i mean i know i do you know being a citizen learning being able to speak english having some type of job already makes me more privileged than a U.S. citizen without a job or someone, maybe some, you know? So I I don't think that's the dirty word. I think what it is is not using it or not doing anything with it. Right. Could be what is wrong. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I just want to acknowledge that, you know, I'm very thankful that I have the life that I do have because I get Mm -hmm. to do this, right? And I would be forever thankful to Peace Corps that gave me the tools and the yeah. courage to actually take this leap of faith uh, mm, and be like, courage. I don't know where my money's coming from. I don't know what I want to do, but it's happening. So, yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. Well, this is the end of the season. Um, nine all, whole episodes. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to say. I think 
I hope people have enjoyed everything we've talked about. And, um, you know, I hope to go to, to Colombia. Yes, it's, it's a must. Person. It's a must. Yeah. I just want to say it's yeah. been, the first season has been very uh, fun, you know, uh, mm. being able to just come and chat and talk about all this. And I, we don't know we're doing it right or wrong, you know, because yeah. we're just developing we're just this. <laughs> yeah, we're just doing yeah. it. We're rolling mm-hmm. with it. It's been fun, and I hope this is the first season to many seasons to come. Yeah. Whether it's developing Las Fuertes, or maybe you get to do developing for some other project. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's been Mm -hmm. a very good first season, you know, for both of us. Uh, It has not only strengthened our friendship and our, Mm -hmm. you know, collaboration in many ways, um, but it, it has also, like, it has given me a space to talk about things that I don't get to express a lot of times. Because yeah. when you're on the go, on the go, go about the project, you always, for, you often forget about all the things that you have accomplished and all the challenges yeah. that you have overcome to get to the overcome. plan. Um, mm-hmm. But you have shine, you have put sh- like you have shined the light. I guess is how you call it. Like you have, yeah. you now have, you have given me this space to express so many things that I often don't get to, and a lot of people just don't get it, right? Like they they yeah, ask you, and it's like, yeah. oh, that's so interesting, good for you, and that's that's about it. So this is a good place <laughs> where I can just like ramble and just talk and on and on and on, and um, also because it's giving you like an idea of like you know what career do you want for yourself in the yeah. future? So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's been. I love it. And the thing is, I was talking to my um, my coach from work, and I was like, I just love doing this. Like, I because she was asking me, what would you like to get out of this experience, this project? And I was like, well, I would like for people to give us feedback, to talk to us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the first thing. So if you're listening to this, please comment. Yes. Please say something. Um, the other thing is I would like people to support Las Fuertes. They know what's happening. They know the ins and outs, and I would like them to support. But even with all of that, I just love to do this. I just enjoy it. I like to capture these really important things that are happening um, and put them out in the world and see if anyone... I think people resonate. People that are on our wavelength um, will get get to it and, and listen to it and... Um, yeah, where was I going with that? Yeah, but I just love it. Or, oh, yeah, the, the um, career, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just love doing this, so I hope to do this for many, many more months and years. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but, happy <sighs> birthday to Las Fuertes, and happy birthday to the first season, I guess, of a happy yes. first season to developing. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Happy birthday to Las Fuertes and to us into this podcast um thank you for listening to developing las fuertes um if you like the show and if you liked any other episodes feel free to share um to talk to your neighbor about it to talk to your cashier at the grocery store about it to your job uh, to your boss to your co-workers share it on instagram share it on linkedin share it on facebook with your conservative uncle (laughs) (laughs) leave a review comment talk to us call us well don't call us but email us (laughs) send us an email yeah we would love to chat to people i think that'd be really fun subscribe 
share on social media and donate. I think that's so important as you know, Carol is on a mission and she needs the support. So donate and support Las Fuertes. You can find the GoFundMe link and the social media links in the show notes. And you can also find my contact information in the show notes if you want us to be your um, consultants. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, that's all. Thank you, Carol, again. And we'll catch you soon, I'm sure, um, somewhere. But thank you, Carol, for for everything and for doing this project and for being my friend. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Thank you.